On this episode of the Rock Down South podcast, we sit down with Ben Wells of rock band Blackstone Cherry. Ben plays guitar for the band, and we talk about some of the early days of Blackstone Cherry and about their new album, The Human Condition. You do not want to miss this one. We hope you all enjoy. Let's go. Welcome to the Rock Down South podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. I'm Mark and my friends and I created this podcast to focus exclusively on music interviews we do. We hope you all enjoy this interview Gil, Joe, and I did with Ben Wells. Ben is a super talented guy who plays guitar for Blackstone Cherry. We were really excited for this interview as these guys are one of my personal favorite bands. We've seen them play on multiple occasions and they always put on an amazing show. We talk with Ben about the new album, The Human Condition, why he calls Kentucky home, and a little bit about his faith. We also touch on a cool story about a Blackstone Cherry song that they originally recorded being covered by a popular country act and then going number one in the country charts. So without further ado, here's the interview. Ben, welcome to the Rock Down South podcast. How you been, man? I'm good. Thank you all for having me. It's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. Really glad that you came on. Hope your day's been going well. I know you said you're a little bit busy with errands and stuff around the house as uh, normal people do. Yeah, you know, um, especially once it gets warmer weather, which, you know, here in Kentucky, we've had like literally in the past week and a half, we've had ice, snow, and then like crazy flooding. So stuff has just been really weird. As I'm sure you guys get weird weather too, I'm sure. But now, you know, it's nice, it's sunshiny. So we're trying to get a lot of stuff done. Um, a lot of stuff that we put off just because it was too cold to do a lot of cleaning stuff, you know, outside and around the house. So now it's like, um, now that I'm using my time while I can, while I'm at home to just fill myself up with as much stuff, uh, you know, running around and getting stuff done as I can uh, while I can, while we have these few days of good weather anyway, because it'll, our luck, it could go back to ice next week. Literally. We have no idea. So <laughs> I'm just, I'm making the best out of it. That's the truth. The weather in the South here is kind of unpredictable at times. So the first time I saw y'all play was actually September 30th, 2006 at Lakewood Amphitheater. And you guys opened up for Stained, Breaking Benjamin, Three Days Grace, Hinder, and Crossfade. Do you remember that concert at all? For sure I do. Yeah, that was one of our first big tours. That was when our first album came out. It came out that summer. And uh, that was one of our first major tours. We loved it. We still have so many fond memories of that. And uh that really just helped us get out there. We only, we only had like a 20 minute set at the time because we were just a, a brand new band, you know, but we loved every minute of it. It was our first time being out in the bus and getting to enjoy catering and those big venues. So, you know, those memories like that, when you do it for the first time, you know, it's hard to forget that. Yeah, that was certainly a huge, huge tour. I mean, considering everybody who I just mentioned. And I remember I got there early enough and I saw you guys killing it on stage, absolutely killing it. You guys playing songs like Rain Wizard, Maybe Someday, Lonely Train. And mind you, these were songs that I'd never heard before, but I was rocking out to them. Uh, so nice. needless to say, I picked up a CD after that and played the heck out of it. Thank you. <laughs> I do appreciate that. And that's the only songs we had to play at that time. So it was kind of easy to make a set list. <laughs> so speaking of way back then, even a little further, maybe in the past, we heard that you were only 16 when you signed your first record deal. Is that true? And what was going through your mind? What was it like being a teenager with a record deal? I actually think I was, I was 15 when the band started 
And I think when we signed the deal, I was probably our first record deal. I was probably uh, 19, maybe 19 or getting ready to be 20. Maybe I was like, it's, I can't remember exactly when, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, this is this year especially is a cool year for us because this June will be our 20th anniversary of being a band. So, yeah, we were, I was just 15 years old. Chris had just turned 16. And, uh, you know, we signed the first deal in 2005. And it was cool, man. It's just been, uh, you know, we've been very fortunate enough to still be here putting out records, still going on tour, and, and uh, just super fortunate, you know, that we just see everything growing. And uh, even after all this time, it's really refreshing. Congratulations on 20 years of being in the band. That's uh, Thank you. a great accomplishment. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. So Mark and I, we had uh, interviewed Richard Young a few months back. And for the listeners who are not familiar with Richard, he's a guitarist and driving force behind the Kentucky Henhutters. So he talked about you guys, you know, wanting to be a band and moving into the music house on their property. What were those days like? We, um, that's where we just kind of, it was like our safe haven. Like we literally grew up there that whole summer, well, multiple summer, springs, winters. I mean, we just, that's where we hung out. That's where we rehearsed. We wrote songs. We would have little parties. I remember being in school and not having a driver's license, of course. Every single day after school, my parents would take me down to the practice house and then come pick me up really late at night. And we did that every single day, uh, even on the weekends. And we just dedicated ourselves to being together and writing and playing and playing new songs in front of our friends. And, you know, those were some of the greatest days looking back is going, man, we were so young and naive. But it was such a fresh time because we didn't know what to expect. We knew what we wanted out of what we were doing, but we had no idea what was to come. So I cherish those memories a lot. And Practice House is still standing. And still, like, even though we don't get to go there as much, just because once you're on tour as much, you, you don't have as much time to go and hang out there. But it's still a very, very special place to us. So has your writing style from those days to now changed a lot? Um, the only difference is, I mean, it's always the four of us. And it's been that way since the beginning. But I think now, most of the time, we write a lot while we're on the road because that's where we spend most of our days in a normal year, you know. Um, we're always on the road. So um, we get in the back lounge and uh, we'll have a little laptop set up and we'll come up with riffs and ideas and melodies. And then we just kind of do it that way because, you know, we have to tour. So it's hard, you know, back in the old days, you could take months at a time and just be at the practice house. And now there's a timeline where you have to turn around product and have something new out there. So we don't have that luxury of just, you know, taking off the road for months at a time and just going and writing. So we, we try to multitask while we can. So speaking of the four of you guys, from what I can tell, and correct me if I'm wrong, all four of you are from the same small town in Kentucky and started in the band as teenagers. You guys have had zero lineup changes in 20 years. And now all four of you still live in small towns in Kentucky, relatively close to one another. Is that all true? That's all true. Yes. We all still live in the same areas we grew up in, you know, and we love that. Like that's what the area had just as much to do with who we are as a band and people and community than, than anything, you know? Um, and we have no reason to want to leave, you know? I mean, I would love to have a place in Jamaica, <laughs> but uh, you yeah, know, no, it's just like, that's just what we love. You know, we're close to our families. We grew up here. We are comfortable here and, you know, we get to travel everywhere else for a living, but it's always good to come back to our small hometown that makes us up who we are. And that's super cool. And it's probably a blessing for you guys. You can stay close to your families and really kind of have that 
tight knit community. Do you think that's kind of like the secret sauce to the band, maybe the longevity of it, or maybe something else a part of it? I think so, because I think if we had come from somewhere else, I'm not sure we would be the same band that we are today. I think our families being as supportive as they were and our friends and just like being supportive, they also kept us, you know, very humbled and grounded and be honest with us. And they took us to shows when none of us could drive and helped us with equipment and stuff. And yeah, that has a lot to do with who we are in this area, this, this small town community that we're from, you know, everybody knows everybody. And we try to just carry a little bit of that hospitality everywhere we go. Was there any talk of moving somewhere else? I know a lot of rock acts have moved to the Nashville area. No, we've always joked about living, I mean, in crazy places, you know what I mean? But not like uh, being serious or anything. I, I don't think any of us would ever be comfortable picking up and moving and trying to live and having the same relationships that we do with not only each other, but like I said, our community. That's a big part of life for us. Let's jump in and talk about the latest album, The Human Condition. Came out in October. How proud are you of this album? Tell us about it. Obviously, with each album, we're always super proud of it. This one, I think, especially because, again, we produced it on our own. We did it at our bass player, John's studio, which is literally in the middle of nowhere in Kentucky. And our monitor engineer that tours with us, he also engineered the record and mixed it. So that's another thing to be just really proud of when, when you listen back to it, to know that the only people that had anything to do with creating this music and this record, even to down to the mixing, and the photos on the front cover were taken by Chris and John. So it's just like, you know, everything we do, we try to keep as much in-house as we can. And we have some of our techs come in the studio and help with drums and guitars and basses as far as setting them up. And then um, we really put each other under the microscope with this record because we knew that when you self-produce, it can be sometimes easy to want to phone things in or just be lazy about it. But we don't afford ourselves that kind of luxury. We want to be releasing better albums with each album we do. So it was really cool experience for us to really push each other and encourage each other for the best performances that we could. Because, you know, at the end of the day, this album will live forever. You can't look back and say, oh, man, that was just a we had a bad day, but we still left it on the album. No, I mean, this is going to live on forever. So and we were making it during the pandemic. So it was just really cool looking back on it to know we were able to accomplish that and that it's out. And again, super proud of it. And the way it's been received so far has been overwhelming. So that's all you can ask for. Thanks again for releasing it and not waiting until touring picked back up. It's great to have albums come out and help all of us through it and be able to jam out to some new tunes. Thank you. That was our mindset behind it as well. Thank you. There's some awesome, awesome tracks on the album. I think probably my personal favorite on the album is In Love With The Pain. That is a really, really, really killer song. Thank you. And I'm not just saying that because it was a recent single. Thank you. Yeah, that's uh, that's been... Most people's go-to song on the album is that song, old fans and new. It is a fantastic song, and I'm super proud that it's on the record, even though for a minute we didn't know if it was going to be. Oh, wow. Um, just because, you know, just for whatever reason. But super glad we put it on there. It's a happy song. It makes you feel good. Me, anyway. You know, we did release the video for it before the album came out. But what's funny is it wasn't really ever released as an official single. Again, it's the only song that's ever been released as the official single. So I'm interested to see if In Love With The Pain will be the next one, which conversations about that are coming up very soon. But that seems to be the one a lot of people are gravitating towards. So we'll see. It's such a good track. I mean, oftentimes I'll listen to a band or listen to a song, you know, the chorus of the song might be the strong part or the verse or, you know, something like that. But it seems like every part of that song is something that has a pretty solid hook to it. And it's just super catchy the whole way through. So that's probably the reason why I love it the most. 
Thank you. Yeah, I think you have our vote. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I'll definitely take that to the meeting when we have it. <laughs> so let's uh, talk about the dynamic guitar playing between you and Chris. I know he's been traditionally doing a lot of the solos, but heard that's something that you're taking more of an active role in these days. Yeah, you know, Chris is obviously the baddest guitar player that I know. He's the man. And from the inception of the band, I didn't want to play lead guitar. I just wanted to hold down the rhythm, be able to jump around on stage. That's, that's what I was comfortable doing. As time went on, I got more into playing leads and developing my own style and learning from him and other people. And then, so the last few albums, we've kind of switched up duties a little bit. While he does, you know, 90% of them on each record, just because we want him to, I want him to. He always encourages me to do some as well. So yeah, I've got a handful on this album that I do. And uh, again, it's all about, you know, Chris and I know each other's strengths and weaknesses when it comes to guitar playing versus solos to acoustic stuff to arpeggiated picking patterns to this and this. So we know which one does the other one better. And we let that person shine when, when the opportunity is there. How did having connections with the Kentucky Headhunters help your career and increase your confidence that Blackstone Cherry could be successful in the music business? Uh, Richard really instilled a lot of belief in us early on. I think he let us kind of do our thing in the very early days to see if we were going to be serious about it and see if we had anything there. And then once he saw that we had some mojo, he came in and really helped us, man. He was like a fifth member for a long time. And we wrote songs together. He produced our first album. He went on tour with us a lot. And Richard didn't cut any slack. You know, if we played a bad show, he would let us know. If we were writing songs that weren't good, he would let us know. And we needed that growing up. We didn't need to just be pampered all the time. And of course, all of our families were so supportive. But, you know, him obviously coming from the music world, he was able to kind of guide us, let us make some mistakes, learn from him, but also guide us and give us some great advice. And uh, he's always been a mentor and always will be. One thing I love about your music is, you know, you guys have a great mixture of just hard rock, slower, more country style songs. You throw in blues, funk, Southern rock. How does that work live? Do you like switching between the different styles live going maybe from a more rocking tune to a more of a slower acoustic song in the live shows? Yeah, we try to always give a pretty equally balanced set, especially for headlining. So we have more time, but it's always about balance. You know, you always want to give something that everybody can get into because we have so many different elements of our music. So yeah, it's all about switching it up when we can and where we can, depending on how long we have to play. Yeah. I saw you guys toured with Airborne and Mark's favorite band. Steel Panther. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's your uh, relationship with Steel Panther? Like I know I've seen you guys do uh, tours together. You're going to do some shows together and you've done one of your zoom sessions that you put on YouTube with them. We love those guys, Steel Panther. I mean, a lot of people I know, they take them with a grain of salt, but they are so talented and they're hilarious on and off stage. So we're excited to go back out end of April and do some more shows with them. It's always a good time with those guys. So I interview a lot of country artists on this podcast, and I've talked to a lot of them, and so many of them have told me that they absolutely love your band. Um, and it seems like the country scene has really kind of embraced that Southern rock sound. So I think years ago, uh, Blackstone Cherry would probably only be considered a rock act. But I think now, I think you could probably just as easily jump on as an opener for a major, major country tour and have a lot of success. Any thought of doing some crossover in that genre? 
Yeah, we have. We've played some shows with Brantley Gilbert and we've opened for Charlie Daniels and Hank Williams Jr. And of course, obviously Skinner and Kid Rock. And we've done a lot of different stuff. And that's the good thing about what we do is we're able to play with heavy bands, but then we can go and play with some of these more country bands. So we've been very fortunate that we've been able to kind of become a chameleon and do both things. Awesome. We'd definitely love to see you get a little bit more of that country action because they got some rabid fans over there. They're looking for more music all the time. Absolutely. And so speaking of country music, I love the song Stay that you guys did and then let Florida Georgia Line cover. Tell us about that experience. Yeah, that was on our third album, Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea. And John Fred and I went to go write with Tyler and Brian, who are Florida Georgia Line, that same year. And they hadn't even come out of the gate yet. You know, they were just two songwriters that had a band. And they kept talking about how they loved that song, Stay. And we said, well, thank you very much. And then a few years later, we got a request. Hey, they want to put it on the album their debut album we said absolutely go for it you know because we loved the song next thing you know comes the number one country song and it was really uh, it was life-changing and something we will be very appreciative of them for and opened a lot of doors for us and we still play it live every once and again because it is our song but we're just very fortunate that they were able to take something that we wrote together to the masses we love your inspirational social media posts can you tell us a little bit more about those it's from a daily devotional I have called Jesus. Well, I have two of them. One of them's called Jesus Calling. One of them's called Jesus Always. And, you know, big fan of the J-Man. And my wife and I are, we don't consider ourselves religious people because that gets a little freaky when you get, you know, too religious out there. We are just, we're faithful people and we have a relationship with Christ. So we try to spread that whenever we can in a positive way, not shoving it down people's throats. But, you know, hey, those inspirational posts, they help me just as much as they help anybody else. And that's why I put them out there. If anybody wants to take something from it, they can. We certainly love those posts. Brings a smile to my face every time I see one. So keep it up. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. So what kind of music are you listening to lately? Um, a lot of reggae. I love Jimmy Buffett. And then I listen to a lot of heavy music, too. So it goes from anything. And then today I was listening to gospel music while I was running. So like praise and worship. So. My iPod, it goes all over the place. What is the worst show that you have ever played? Maybe it was a bad performance you had. Maybe it was a bad crowd, a small crowd, or maybe it was just a strange venue situation. We've definitely had all the above. I'm just trying to think. I mean, I know in the early days, we probably did some cringeworthy performances where we thought we were cool and threw down our guitars and knocked over drums. And that's just like, okay, whatever. But, you know, looking back on that stuff can make it kind of like, what were we thinking, you know? I'm trying to think as of recently, you know, I mean, we always have spots in certain shows that you go, ah, come on. But as long as you play it off like nothing ever happened, the audience doesn't know. And I think that's our main goal is to never let the audience know. If we're making a mistake, it's one thing. We don't want to let the audience know that because it's not fair for them. And obviously a good band will make a mistake and everybody will be able to follow along with it. And that's something we've been able to do because we played together for so long that if somebody gets off time or forgets a part, we all shift together to where it makes sense. I actually don't mind seeing bands having to pause and restart a song sometime because it's kind of, you know, because I think you guys might be in autopilot mode a little bit and then it kind of breaks it. You guys usually have a laugh, show some personality, then, yeah. then get back to it. Oh, we've definitely done that. And it shows we're human and what people are hearing is live. It's not tracks or any kind of extra stuff like that. It's all coming off the stage. So yeah, there are moments that have happened like that and the audience comes away with it saying, oh man, that was really actually a special moment, you know? So these next questions are what we close with and ask everyone. So first question, 
what would you tell your 21 year old self? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, let me think here. What would I tell my 21 year old self? I guess just to, I guess just keep on going at, at that time because there were times or, you know, when you're 21 and you're still at the time I was living at my mom and dad's house and you're touring and trying to make ends meet or you're not making any money because you owe it back to this uh, a record label or whatever, blah, blah. You know, some of those times, even though it's fun as playing in the band and stuff, sometimes like that can get discouraged when you're still trying to climb your way up the ladder. Because uh, I was 21 during the first album cycle. So, you know, I would just tell myself, hey, man, just sit back, relax. You really have no idea what's coming in, in the years ahead. And just like I'd rather tell I want to look back 20 years from now and tell myself at 35, hey, keep on going. You have no idea what's coming in the years ahead. There's all good things. As long as you just, if you have the passion for what you're doing, then uh, it's going to happen. Rockdown South question number two, what are you drinking lately? And if you don't drink alcohol, what beverage do you currently consume? Right now I'm drinking a great value spring water, but my drink of choice when I'm drinking is vodka with crystal light. And other than that, I love Fresca and Diet Mountain Dew. I'm trying not to drink as many of those as of late just because I'm trying to drink more water lately. But I do enjoy a cocktail. So my cocktail of choice is, is vodka. So as you know, this is the Rock Down South podcast. We all live in the South. What's something that you love about the South you'd like to tell our listeners? I think the, the overall vibe, the scenery, the humbleness that I think is here, which is everywhere, but I think a lot of it here because there's a lot of good, hardworking people, not like I said, everywhere, but especially here in the South. And just relating from where I'm at, I just love the small town life. I, I love knowing where Walmart is. I love knowing where my mom and dad's house is. And to me, that's just where it's at. So again, I guess it all goes back to just the humbleness that I think comes along with it, the hospitality. Lastly, what do you have in the works that you want to share with folks? And it doesn't have to be music or touring, or it can be. Um, my wife and I started a nonprofit foundation called the Henry and Clark Foundation. It's named after our two beagles. And our mission is to help not only like pets, you know, but all animals. Like we love helping out, trying to fund and raise awareness for marine life, wildlife, things of that nature. And of course, pets and shelter animals. And then it also helps out kids that might be in less fortunate situations or going through foster care and, and then helping out families that might need it too. So it kind of combines two things that we're passionate about. And then we also started last summer a clothing line called Surf Monster that we love, we love the beach. We love being on the water and anything tropical is right up our alley. So it's really something I've wanted to do for a long time, but didn't have the time to do. So that was my silver lining of 2020 was to start an endeavor that I had another creative passion for. So it's been a lot of fun creating designs and working with different people and we're having a lot of fun with it. So I urge people to check that out. So you mentioned you love the beach. Where's your go-to beach? Well, I grew up on Panama City Beach yearly, multiple times. That's that's one of my favorite places, even though, you know, it's very crowded at times. Yeah. But one of our favorite places is Negril, Jamaica. We love that. My wife and I just adore that. We adore Maui. You know, I mean, honestly, a beach is a beach. It's hard for me to be upset anytime my feet are in the sand. But if I had my favorites, it'd be probably Jamaica or Hawaii. Jamaica is the Seven Mile Beach, which is like one of the best in the world. And it's just so gorgeous. Well, thank you so much, Ben, for being a part of the show today. Where can people find and connect with you online and where can they buy some merch? Blackstone Cherry stuff is all at blackstonecherry.com. All the upcoming 
tour dates that we have as of now and then the merchandise is there surf monster is surfmonsterstore.com and then of course i'm on instagram at ben tcb as in taking care of business because i'm a huge elvis fan so uh, I, I try to stay online a lot and do a lot of social media stuff so i'm usually always on there people can always hit me up thank you so much for listening to the show we hope you guys enjoyed this episode we had a really great time chatting with Ben and loved hearing about how those guys stay so close to the roots in Kentucky. I think it's paid off as they have had zero lineup changes and consistently put out good music. He's such a great guy and a super entertaining guitar player to watch. Just go check out some of their live videos. You will not be disappointed. Also, make sure to go follow Ben, Blackstone Cherry, and Surf Monster on social media when you get a chance. And pick up some merch while you're at it. Your friends are sure to be jealous when they see you rocking some Blackstone Cherry and Surf Monster gear. Check out all our content at rockdownsouth.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for the latest updates. And as always, the views and opinions expressed by our guests on the podcast are theirs and don't necessarily reflect our own. We are your hosts, Mark, Joe, and Gil. And you've been listening to the Rock Down South podcast. See y'all next time.